Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. It was a heavy weekend for many St. Louis residents. On Saturday evening, a nearly four-year member of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department was shot in the head while on duty. Officer Tamaris Bohannon has died from his injuries. The 29-year-old officer had a wife and three young children. The suspect in Bohannon's shooting had barricaded himself in a home in the Tower Grove South neighborhood in South St. Louis. He also shot a second officer. That officer was shot in the leg, and he has been released from the hospital. The suspect surrendered to police after a standoff that lasted until the early hours on Sunday. In a statement, Mayor Lyda Krusen called Bohannon's death, quote, a terrible, senseless tragedy, and our thoughts are with his family. And so, yes, we do feel some heaviness today here at St. Louis on the Air. And because we also need a little bit of a break from sadness, we'll also meet a guy who grew up in St. Louis, and he's finding huge success as a professional juggler. A lot of us use the word juggling metaphorically. We're juggling a lot these days, or I'm trying to juggle competing needs here, guys. The word immediately brings to mind stress and a whole lot of balls that seem to be flying right at you. But for Tom Wall, juggling is no metaphor. The former St. Louis resident is a world champion juggler who can keep anything in the air, from fancy china plates to really sharp knives. He recently wrote the book on juggling. It's called Juggling, What It Is and How to Do It. That's one of those those titles where it's all right there in the title. And Tom Wall joins us today to tell us all about it. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Cool. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? It's such a pleasure to be here. So, Tom, you spent your childhood in L.A., but you say it was St. Louis after you moved here that made you a juggler. How so? Yeah, that's right. Um, So my family moved around a lot uh, when I was a kid. And uh, around my sophomore year of high school, I guess the summer right before my sophomore year, we moved from L.A. to St. Louis. Um, And we live, uh, my parents are still up in St. Louis. My dad's a professor at Wash U. And, uh, and yeah, so we moved to unincorporated St. Louis County, just this tiny little strip right between Creve Corps and Olivet. And as luck would have it, the St. Louis Juggling Club actually met at a church about two miles away from the new house. Wow. And so I, I yeah, I had learned how to juggle from a book long before that. And so I, you know, it was just, uh, it was going to be a great opportunity to go meet some people in a new city and have something in common just from the get go. And, uh. And the rest yeah, is so history, the huh? Louis, exactly. The St. Louis juggling community, the St. Louis juggling culture still alive and kicking today. Um, this book is dedicated to that juggling club. Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to uh, talk to you right where it all started. It all started in St. Louis. I love it. Does St. Louis have a pretty active juggling scene? Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, yeah, so the juggling club that used to meet out in Olivet, they, uh, they, there was some... I guess, bureaucracy that happened, and they ended up losing their space uh, the summer right before I went to Wash U um, for undergrad. And yeah, so the juggling club basically just rooted up, and it became incorporated at Wash U as a student union club, and it's still going on today. I think they've got like 30 or 40 members. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I had no idea St. Louis was such a juggling hotspot. And then to think of it happening at Wash U, and then you, as you say, you went and got an undergrad degree there. You didn't study juggling there. This happened later? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So officially, my degree from WashU is in uh, Germanic languages and literatures. Well, that's and such a uh, useful degree. I can't imagine why you became a professional juggler instead. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the right. world so, needs more Germanic <laughs> language experts, right? 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, and sorry, Herr Lutzler, if you're listening in right now. <laughs> but yeah, I graduated from WashU straight into the recession, and oh. uh, it turned out pretty quickly that juggling was a much more marketable skill than uh, being able to analyze a short story by Kleist or Goethe. So <laughs> it, it seems like honestly, with that kind of degree, um, you were probably um, destined to go to grad school. What made you decide, rather than you know becoming a doctorate in Germanic languages, to say, you know what, I'm going to double down on juggling? Well, so I actually did go to grad school too. <laughs> um, I have a master's in nonprofit arts administration from Drexel University, and all all of that is it's all so intertwined. So. I juggled as a hobby for a long time, and then uh, you know I, I had been running the St. Louis Juggling Club and the St. Louis Juggling Festival, and when I graduated, I wanted to be able to give back to this community that had given me so much, and so I ran for the board of directors of the International Jugglers Association, and, uh, and I was on, on the board of directors there for about four years, and those experiences, sort of seeing this confluence between performing arts and like actual working performing artists and, you know, the bureaucracy, the, the day-to-day life of, you know, applying for arts grants and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those experiences are what led me to decide to pursue, you know, further education in arts management. Okay. And I can see how that would be a, a very useful degree, unlike maybe a master's in German. I don't mean to keep dogging German. I actually studied it myself. <laughs> it's a great language. There's wonderful literature in it. So I got to apologize for anybody who shares our, our love of, of the German tongue. But I understand you ended up on Cirque du Soleil's radar. They reached out to you. How does that even happen? Yeah, so it's it's weird. I mean, a lot of people ask me that question. You know, you go to these juggling festivals and these juggling events and, and people find out, you know, where you've been in your career. And there, there really is no magic bullet to getting a job with a company like that. Um, one, you have to be kind of on their radar already. Um, for me, that happened when I got a silver medal at the World Championships of Juggling at mm. the uh, International Jugglers Association Stage Championships. So they, they had seen my routine from, from there. It was a ball juggling routine. And, uh, and eventually they had a position that was opening up kind of last minute. There was a juggler who had gotten injured. And so they needed somebody to learn that exact act very, very quickly. And so they called me up and they said, hey, can you come to Portland, Oregon, meet this show next weekend? Uh, if you can juggle seven balls for 100 catches in this really weird apparatus, it's like this... Uh, inverted perspex cone that you roll balls along the inside surface of so they whip around you kind of like atoms in a in a or electrons in an atom or in a molecule or something like that and uh and yeah so they had seen my juggling and they saw that i had uh i guess sort of a plastic understanding of juggling so it wasn't Hmm. just throwing and catching you know it was about predicting trajectories and sort of understanding it more of a granular way and uh, over the course of, you know, these this weekend, this two, three day long audition, it was just one on one. And they were just watching me try and figure out how this thing worked. And by the end of the three days, I finally got my hundred catches in one run and they offered me a contract right there. So, wow, this is all about being lucky and being prepared, you know? Yeah, this is kind of like the classic Hollywood story. You know, you're, you're, somebody else has a bad break and you get to step in and you come back a star. You ended up touring with them <laughs> for five years. I mean, that's a, that's a really long run. Did you get to see the world at all during that time or uh, just inside of the Cirque du Soleil <laughs> tent? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did travel around the world quite a bit. Uh, you know, even when I'm not with the company, you know, I, I left last January. Um, even this year, before the pandemic, we're just talking to 2020, 
by the end of February, I, I had already traveled 63,000 miles for work. Wow. Um, so yeah, in, in circus, a lot of people say like, you know, you don't get to see the world, the world gets to see you. Hmm. Um, so like, you know, when I was with Soleil, I think I did 1500 shows, you know, back to back to back to back over the course of five years. And that was in, you know, the US, Canada, New Zealand, Japan, all over Europe. But you only have one day off every week. So that's the day when you do your laundry and you watch your Netflix, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no time to so sightsee. A lot of the rest of the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm being a little bit glib here. You know, you absolutely do get to go out and meet people and, and, and see some things, you know, see some cultural, cultural importance around the world. But uh, by and large, it's like any other job. You know, you wake up, you warm up, you go to, you go to, you go to the tent, you do some shows, you take off your makeup and you go home. So yeah, I mean, just it, like any other job. Right? Honestly, it does <laughs> sound a little bit like a grind. I mean, it sounds like a lot of hard work. Is is that part of the reason you left it? It was just too relentless. Uh, I, I left for a couple of different reasons, I'd say. One, one of it was the work schedule, for sure. You know, doing 10 shows a week every week for years is, that's a lot. And especially when the routine that you're performing is throw for throw, catch for catch, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and one of the reasons why I like juggling so much is that element of challenge. It's making things harder, making it more interesting, changing choreography, you know. I really see it as a conversation with an audience. And uh, one of the reasons why I like performing my solo show more than I do, you know, performing in one of these massive production shows is exactly that. Um, the fact that it is a more genuine conversation that way. You can change things up if, if the audience is responding to this or that. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more fluid. It feels a lot more honest, you know, like it's an actual connection between people instead of, uh, you know, watching a nameless acrobat or a nameless juggler do amazing things on, a, you know, on this sort of steak dinner of a stage. <laughs> now, I understand it was your time with Cirque du Soleil that planted the seeds for your new book, Juggling. Uh, it, again, it's called Juggling What It Is and How to Do It. I just love that title. Um, how did your time there make you decide, you know what, I need to write the book on this? Time to give away yes. my secrets. <laughs> yeah, let's let's give it all away. Yeah, I mean, like any other coach, you know, right? The, the job is kind of to make yourself obsolete, you know, figure out the best way to encapsulate all of the... Uh, you know, the methods and your own practice and the way that you've thought about juggling as a as a thing, as a performing art, and, you know, how to document all of that and share it with people, uh, you know, long after you're dead or, you know, people that you can't talk to uh, by virtue of distance or anything else like that. But when I was with Soleil, I started teaching these classes for uh, for the front of house staff. So, you know, the people that take your tickets, the people that are selling you popcorn, uh, when you have a large international touring show like this, those are usually what they refer to as local hires. Hmm. So let's say we, you know, the show opens up in Barcelona. A lot of the people that are there, you know, they're all going to be people that are from that place uh, that speak the the dialect or you know whatever language uh, wherever the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're people that really get it, they understand it, and they're there because they love circus and they're very excited about it, even though they maybe haven't had the training. And so I started offering sort of a monthly workshop to these to these folks because they were interested in juggling and they had asked me about it. And uh, when I noticed that there were these people that were coming every single month, we decided to move it to a weekly class. And so every week, the, uh, I would basically give a little free workshop for an hour with all of these very, very enthusiastic people. And, and you know, selfishly, it was, it was a nice way to get out and meet some people. You know, mm-hmm. when you're touring with a show, you're sort of surrounded by the same 200 people, no matter where the show is actually playing at the time. 
You actually got um, to meet the locals through these classes. Egg- yeah, exactly. And uh, and so when I was at WashU, I, I studied more than just German. I was actually studying uh, modern languages. So I was able to teach my teach these juggling workshops in German. I was able to teach them in Spanish. Um, there was uh, we had one class that I, I want to say it was in Paris, and I ended up teaching half the class in Arabic, which was amazing. That was the first time I've spoken any Arabic since undergrad. Wow, you are really um, disproving this idea that that so many of us add to that Americans can't speak foreign languages. You're making the rest of us look good. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> trying to be an ambassador, you know. Um, <laughs> I appreciate this. I gotta ask though, um, you know, mm-hmm. you have all these random people who are just circus enthusiasts, no training. Can anyone mm-hmm. juggle if they put their mind to it? Absolutely, I I wholeheartedly believe that anybody can do it. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I could never learn how to juggle. I just don't have the coordination. That's people what I would say. That, yeah, is that, is that well, not yeah, true? But, that's absolutely not true. That's the coordination is the reason like that's the skill that you're improving when you decide that you want to learn how to juggle. Hmm. You know, you you wouldn't say like, oh, I don't want to go to French class. I don't speak French. It's like, no, you're going there to learn how to speak French. You know, uh, juggling is exactly the same, the same thing. The, the best way to look at juggling um, for somebody that's not in circus, that's not in uh, you know, any kind of variety art or discipline like that is it, it really is about yeah. cultivating a relationship between a person and an object. Hmm. And that's that's what it is just from the get go. And then when we you know, when you think about juggling, you know, when I say that word, you're probably thinking about three balls moving between two hands in a figure eight pattern that that is one of the most basic forms of juggling. But that get, that can get broken down into a number of other much smaller things to pay attention to. You know, you've got the, the movement of your hands. You have the height that the balls reach. You have the trajectories. You know, are things parallel? You've got the rhythm. Everybody has this internal metronome that's, that's this pacing that makes sense for them. And the point of this whole book is to break down this idea, you know, as you mentioned earlier on uh, in, in the segment, you know, people think about juggling as this this allegory almost for something that is hard if not impossible to do a stressful situation Mm -hmm. and it's only stressful because when you look at it there's so much information being thrown at you you don't know how to how to interpret it you don't know how to parse it and so this book really the point of it really is making it as understandable for as many different learning modalities as possible so it's interesting. We started yeah. with this idea of, of juggling as this metaphor. It seems like what you're teaching people how to do in this book would also work for people who are feeling overwhelmed by life. Just this idea of, of breaking it down to its essence. Is is there, I mean, this, this metaphor for juggling, this really works for anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, thousand percent agree with that. <laughs> so if I tell people, <laughs> if they read juggling, what it is and how to do it, this is not just going to teach them how to juggle. This is actually going to change their life. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it absolutely changed my life. So there's there's a piece of anic data for you. <laughs> um, but what's what's really amazing, Sarah, at least in, in my interpretation of it, is in the early 2000s, in uh, in sort of the, the academic field, the scientific field of of motor skill acquisition and, uh, you know, sort of like that field of neuroscience or, or neurophysiology or whatever, um, Juggling was kind of the darling of that entire field of science for a while. It was sort of the go-to example for a complex motor skill hmm. that your average, you know, random participant off the street wouldn't know how to do. And so we have, you know, thanks to just this sort of 
happenstance, we have this massive body of scientific data about the effects that learning to juggle has on, on the actual physiology of your brain and what it does to you emotionally as well. Well, Tom, um, on, on that note, unfortunately we're out of time, but you have absolutely made the best case that, that juggling really <laughs> is going to change your life here. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to learn more about the book, the website is jugglingbook.com. Can't Juggling. Can't much simpler than that. It's amazing. Um, we're going to tell people to look that up and then change their life. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.